Good morning, good morning, good morning. La da 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 da. Happy Easter! It is Easter Sunday. It's chocolate egg day. <laughs> oh, I am so excited. It is chocolate egg day. Are you, whoever, all of you, how many of you are having chocolate Easter eggs for breakfast? <laughs> My children aren't allowed chocolate Easter eggs for breakfast. The only day in the whole year that they're allowed chocolate for breakfast is Christmas Day when they have their um their last chocolate out of their advent calendar and they have that before they have breakfast um but uh they will be eating a or an easter egg um not because they've got three each they won't be eating three easter eggs today um but i've got one too i'm so excited i have an easter egg never too old for an easter egg ever because it's just chocolate and you're never too old for chocolate are you <laughs> Do you know what? Um, ever since we found out the other day on our fun fact that um, everybody, all mammals um, over the size of a rabbit, uh, take the same time to wee, my children have been timing themselves. Every time they go to the toilet, they time themselves. And do you know what? It's always around... 21 seconds always <laughs> and they're absolutely so excited ecstatic even um that it's turned out to be true um no matter whether they're only you know only needing a little little bit or if they need to really really go in an emergency it still takes the same time how amazing is that Anyway, <laughs> um, right, the quiz, oh, the quiz, quiz, quiz. So, let us see, um, who got the answers right? Well, we've had quite a few people sending answers in throughout the week so we've had art and Edie. um they've had some of the answers we have had lily who's had some of the answers uh we've had simon um well done to you uh you got all of the answers right ah uh, who else have we had we have had, ooh, Albie and Alfie. Um, almost the same name, but not quite. Um, who else? Who else? Rosie. Um, hello to you. I'm so glad that you managed to get the answers right. Shall I give you the answers? Yes. Okie dokie. Oh, Georgie, you as well. Sorry nearly forgot so question one what which 
big cat is the largest one. And it is a tiger. Well done. Uh, question two, which is the largest planet in the solar system? <gasps> wow. Well done to everybody who got this one right. Jupiter. Question three, which city did the Olympic Games originate? This was a hard one, wasn't it? Well, it was in Athens in Greece. Long, long time ago. Uh, question four. What colour is an emerald? <sighs> well, it's green. Question five. What colour are the spots on a common ladybug? And the answer is, of course, black. And question six, what do bees produce? Honey, of course. And question seven, what is the name of Harry Potter's pet owl? Whoa. So, uh, does anybody here know about Harry Potter and his pet owl? Of course, because some people got it right. And well done if you did. Uh, it's Hedwig. And question eight. How many colours are there in a rainbow? <gasps> and the answer is red and yellow and pink and green, orange and purple and blue. Seven. <laughs> there you go. Seven, seven, seven. So well done to everybody who, um, well, well done to everyone who actually um, did the quiz because, uh, you know, it's totally brilliant that, you know, that you joined in. So thank you very much for joining in. Uh, well done if you got all the answers right. Well done if you got some of the answers right. Um, but well done for joining in, regardless of whether you got it right or not. Uh, tomorrow I will set you another quiz. Ooh. <laughs> um, I will put the answers on the Facebook page though. So... Let's have a look. Um, I'm going to tell you a secret, okay? A little bit of a secret about science. Now, I love science and my children love science. Anything to do with science, brilliant. But science isn't about knowing lots of facts or getting the right answer all the time. It's not even about wearing one of those posh white lab coats. Science is about asking questions. They can be, ooh, sensible questions. They can be silly questions. Or best of all, they can be impossible questions. The history of science is paved with impossible questions and each one is a stepping stone on the path to understanding the universe and everything.
everything in it. <sighs> but this path is not yet finished. Every answer leads to new impossible questions and new stepping stones. So, um, we all, we all, all, start again. We already ask questions because we answer them in our fun facts, don't we? Um, but we're going to ask other questions as well as doing our fun fact. So, um, because there are still impossible questions that are bamboozling biologists and confusing chemists and making physicists feel perplexed. <laughs> so, none of the answers to these questions are 100% correct. As any scientist will tell you, there is no such thing as a perfect answer. There's also no such thing as a stupid question because questions are only clever if you know the answer. So they're just our best answers based on the evidence available right now. As scientists continue to experiment, explore, collect and discover more information, the answers will probably change. But the first question that we are going to ask, the first impossible question is, why does rain smell rainy? So next time it rains, go outside and take a big <gasps> sniff. After dry days, a rain shower can make the air, oh, it smells lovely, smells clean and fresh and sweet and earthy, rather like a walk in the woods. Lots of people do like this smell, me included, and it even has a name, Petrichor it's called. It's not the smell of the raindrops themselves because pure water doesn't have a smell. But it actually comes from microbes that live in the soil. Every teaspoon of soil contains up to a billion of these tiny living things. They do a very important job feeding on dead leaves and other things that were once alive recycling the minerals that new life needs to grow. As they go about their lives, microbes make an oil called geosmin. When raindrops splatter on dusty dry soil, tiny particles of geosmin are thrown up into the air and get carried away on the wind eventually reaching our noses. <laughs> Nobody knows exactly why the microbes make geosmin. One idea is that they might be trying to hitch a lift to new homes on the animals and insects that come to snuffle the lovely smell. So if you like the smell, you don't actually have to wait for a rainy day because beetroot plants make geosmin too so i've got a whole bedroom full of beetroot plants at the moment so hopefully they're all going to smell like rainy days so you could say that beetroot 
tastes like a rainy day. <laughs> well, tomorrow, the impossible question that we're going to ask is, could I touch a rainbow? Oh, well, do you think we could? Tomorrow we will find out. But today's fun fact um, was, I can't remember what the question was, um, something about water, wasn't it? Uh, do, 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 do. Every time you take a sip of water, it's pretty likely that you're drinking what? <gasps> a, pigwee. B, human wee. C, dinosaur wee. Or D, all of the above. Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay, so pick an answer and let's see which one is correct. To answer this disgusting sounding question, we need to understand a bit about the water cycle. All the water on our planet is part of what's known as a closed system, which means that the same water has been going round and around the same cycle for millions of years. So how does this cycle work? Well, let's begin with the water in the oceans. Heat from the sun warms the ocean surface, causing liquid water molecules to gain heat energy and jiggle about a lot. Some of the molecules get enough jiggle energy, <laughs> known as kinetic energy, that they break free from one another, leaving the surface of the ocean to form invisible water vapour, a gas. This process is known as evaporation. Wow! Warm air above the oceans contains lots of this invisible water vapour because the sun's energy has evaporated lots of water from the ocean surface. Warm air is less dense than the cool air above it, so it rises high up into the atmosphere to where it's colder, taking the water vapour with it. Higher up in the atmosphere, the air pressure is lower. This decrease in pressure allows the warm air to expand, so the molecules of water vapour move apart. And they spread out. As they do this, they lose some of their jiggle energy and cool down again. If the molecules of water vapour get cool enough, they are drawn back together again to form tiny droplets of liquid water. These droplets hang around in the air, forming a fine mist that we call a cloud. Millions of droplets are needed to form just one raindrop. But once formed, clouds get 
blown across the sky by the wind until they reach an area where the air is cooler. And here, the molecules in the tiny water droplets lose even more of their jiggle energy. And this allows the droplets to come together to form bigger droplets. Whoa! And when these droplets are big and heavy enough, they eventually fall from the sky as rain. Sometimes strong winds can cause storm clouds to form. And sometimes when it's really cold, the tiny water droplets in the clouds freeze into tiny ice crystals. The ice crystals stick together to make beautiful snowflakes that eventually fall as snow. Wow! So, what happens when the atmosphere becomes warmer? Well, firstly, in areas of the world that are already quite dry, where there's not much water vapour hanging around in the air, the extra heat energy in the atmosphere will make it even harder for any water vapour in the air to cool down, to condense and form clouds. Fewer clouds means less rain, which can cause the land in these areas to dry out and plants to die, increasing the chance of droughts, forest fires and water shortages. I wonder, just as a, a thought there, if over places like deserts, where it's really, really hot, and very little rain. I wonder if there are, if you look up into the sky, whether you would actually see clouds. Hmm, doesn't sound like it, does it? But anyway, warmer air in the atmosphere will also cause the oceans to become warmer. So there will be more evaporation. This means that more water vapour will end up in the air. Plus, warm air can actually hold more water vapour than cooler air. Wowzers, that's a lot of information. Overall, this means that when the atmosphere is warmer, there will be lots more water vapour in the air. When all of this water, extra water vapour is carried to areas of the sky where it's cool enough for clouds to form, there will not only be more clouds than usual, but the clouds will also be bigger and denser. This means that in parts of the world that are already wet, there will be more frequent and heavier rainfall, as well as more extreme storms, leading to increased chances of flooding and damage to people's homes. In countries where the air is already very humid, meaning there's lots of water vapour already hanging around in the air, like in the tropics, the further increase in water vapour in the air... <gasps> can result in more intense tropical storms and cyclones and monsoons. Oh, my goodness. 
This combination of drier areas getting drier and wetter areas getting wetter with more extreme weather events oh, is exactly the type of climate change that we are seeing across the globe today due to global warming. But we will come back to that another time. OK, so what has this all got to do with weeing? <laughs> well, let's get back to the water cycle. When rain hits the earth, it seeps deep into the ground, eventually finding its way into streams and rivers. The rivers flow back into the oceans and the whole cycle starts all over again, around and around forever. Now, at some point during this cycle, pretty much all creatures will take up some of this water into their bodies. Plants do this by absorbing water from the soil through their roots, while most animals do this by drinking. Shout out to frogs who absorb water through their skin. <laughs> Plants release their water back into the atmosphere through a process called transpiration, in which water moves up through their stem and evaporates from their leaves. Animals, on the other hand, keep hold of the water they need and excrete the rest of it, along with waste products from the family, uh, from the body, sorry, in the form of wee, properly known as urine. But Animals also lose some water by sweating, breathing, crying, and yes, in their snot, vomit and poo. <laughs> so, whether you're a sophisticated human being with access to a toilet or a stinky pig on a farmyard, your wee and sweat will eventually end up back in the ground and rivers. Maybe via a sewage plant where it is filtered and all the nasty wee chemicals are removed or via rocks and soil that act as natural filtration systems. Either way, by the time the watery part has evaporated again to form clouds... The impurities will have been left behind and only pure water will rejoin the water cycle. Whoa, that's a lot of information, isn't it? This means that the water cycle will always contain some water that was once sitting in the bladder of a pig or your best friend or your teacher. So, I guess that means the answer to this question must be pig-wee and human-wee, right? Oh, not so fast. In lots of countries, including the UK, the US and much of Europe, water is collected from rivers, reservoirs or underground water stores known as aquifers or directly from our toilet sewage and sent to water treatment centres to be cleaned. 
the clean water is then stored in massive tanks that are connected to the mains water supply pipes. These pipes bring clean water all the way to the roads near your house and the water flows through smaller pipes right into your home. Then runs out of your kitchen tap and straight into your glass. Unless, of course, you buy bottled water, which supposedly comes directly from a mountain stream. <sighs> While bottled water is extremely important for many people across the globe, if you live in a country where your tap water has been cleaned and is therefore safe to drink, I wouldn't bother if I were you. Bottled water is the same boring old water as drinkable tap water. It's just been collected from a different place. And sometimes even that's not true. Shockingly, more than half of all bottled water actually comes from the tap. <gasps> what a rip-off! And even if you happen to buy some that doesn't, studies show that when people are blindfolded, they can't actually taste the difference. And it is no um, difference in health reasons or, you know, it's not better for you or anything. So, unless you live somewhere where the tap water isn't safe to drink, don't waste your money buying bottled water. Plus, as you know, plastic is not biodegradable, which means that it can't be broken down. Therefore, your plastic water bottle may well end up becoming part of the terrifying 300 kilograms of plastic pollution that enters the ocean every second, causing undulled damage to fish and the other sea creatures. So there you go. It's better to drink water from the tap. Hmm. Unfortunately, recycling isn't necessarily the answer to this problem. Shockingly, a huge proportion of recycled plastic actually ends up in the oceans or sitting for years in landfill sites. There are now even large areas in the ocean where, due to ocean currents, enormous amounts of plastic collect in one place, resulting in huge garbage dumps of the sea. Well, that's not good, is it? Because think about a poor little fish swimming into um, a bottle or a bag and not being able to get out. Really not good. So if you can avoid plastic, do so. Just put your glass under your tap and turn it on. <laughs> anyway, where are where are we? Ah, oh, yes. The point is that wherever you fill your glass from, the water you drink will have come from the water cycle. And 
the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, which is halfway between Hawaii and California, contains more than, and I don't even know what this, 1.8 trillion pieces of plastic, (gasps) weighs more than 43,000 cars, and is three times the size of France. Oh my goodness. Anyway, the answer to the original question (laughs) is D. Every time you take a sip of water, it's pretty likely that you're drinking pigwee, human wee, dinosaur wee, and indeed all other types of wee. Wow. And there are so many billions and trillions of molecules of water in a single glass of water that it's pretty likely that at least one molecule of that water will have been weed out of a pig or another human, actually out of billions of humans and out of pretty much any animal alive today. And indeed, any animal who has ever walked or weed on the earth, including, yep, you guessed it, a dinosaur. (laughs) So... When we talk about the water cycle, you look at the clouds in the sky and you think, oh, they're all light and fluffy, looking like candy floss. They might look like that, but have you ever thought about how much a cloud might weigh? Well, tomorrow we will find out what a cloud weighs the same as. But good for you if you guessed D, a dinosaur. any animal, all of the above. So, oh my goodness me, what day is it today apart from being chocolate, chocolate Easter Sunday? Do you know what? It is. It's got to be one of my favourite, 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 favourite days. Not because it's chocolate, but because it's National Unicorn Day. How awesome is that? The unicorns get their own day because they're so mythical and lovely and magical. So, yes, I am very, very excited that it's Unicorn Day. It's also National Cherish an Antique Day. No, that does not mean that you go and cherish your uh, um grandma or granddad or they are not antiques (laughs) cherish them anyway but they're not the antiques that they mean these are antique furniture or books or something like that and if you've ever thought to yourself that you don't like your name or your name doesn't fit your personality well today's a good day for that because it's national name yourself day so you can reinvent yourself for the day. Have a whole day of being called something entirely different. Something that all matches your exciting personality. (laughs) Right. Oh my goodness me. What shall we read? Mm. Let us see. 
diddly diddly do i am looking for a oh a nice how about mr fee five four sounds good doesn't it Peggy and John lived not very far away from Fee-Fi-Fo Wood. Ah, it wasn't a very nice wood because it was damp and dark and in the very middle of it lived old Mr. Fee-Fi-Fo and his wife. Every day when they went to school, their mother said the same thing to them. Now mind you don't set foot in Fee-Fi-Fo Wood or old Mr. Fee-Fi-Fo may get you. And every day, Peggy and John gave her the same answer. No, mother, we won't. One day, they disobeyed. John had a lovely new ball and he and Peggy were playing with it. Peggy missed it and, oh dear, off it went, rolling into Fee-Fi-Fo Wood. There, said John crossly, you've lost it. Oh, we'll get it, said Peggy. It's only gone a little way into the wood. Mr. Fee-Fi-Fo won't see us. So the two children jumped over the ditch that separated the path from the wood and began to hunt for their ball. <gasps> Suddenly they heard a noise and they looked up. Oh, goodness me, it was old Mr. Fee-Fi-Fo. He was a tall, thin man and he wore a yellow top hat and a green smock. His boots were red and he had a beard that came halfway down his green smock. Ho, he said, rubbing his hands. So you've come into my wood, have you? Well, just come a little further, my bold children. I'm wanting someone to help me with my magic spells, and you'll do very well indeed. He caught up the two scared children and carried them off. After some time, he came to a higgledy-piggledy cottage, and at the gate stood his wife, a large woman with tiny eyes. Here are two children to help me with my spells, said Mr. Fee-Fi-Fo. Lock them up in my magic room and get ready for the cat spell. I'll be along in an hour. <gasps> Mrs. Fee-Fi-Fo took the two children to a queer room at the back of the cottage and locked them in there with her. It was a very strange room. There was a big fire at one end and on it boiled an iron cauldron. Green smoke came from it and it sang a magic song to itself. On the floor were many circles and squares and up the walls grew strange plants in pots. There was one big window but it was barred. There could be no escape that way. Uh, what is this? cat spell that Mr. Fee-Fi-Fo wants us to help him with, asked John. Will he let us go when we've helped him? He may do, said the woman, but you'll be turned into cats, you know, so you'll have to be careful not to go near any dogs in case they chased you. I hope you won't mind being turned into cats. I couldn't bear it, said Peggy, beginning to cry. Oh, 
do let us go. Oh, I couldn't possibly do that, said the old dame. Why, Mr. Fee-Fi-Fo would be dreadfully cross with me. She began to get ready for the cat spell. First of all, she rubbed out some of the circles on the floor and then drew two little ones. She told the children to stand inside them. Then she went to the cauldron and stirred it. She took a jar of golden honey and emptied it into the iron pot and she threw six hairs from a cat into it too. Then she opened a cupboard nearby and began hunting there. Oh dear, oh dear, now wherever in the wide world can it have got to? The children heard her say. What are you looking for? asked John. I'm looking for my nutmeg grater, said Mrs. Fee-Fi-Fo, fussing about. I've got to grate a nutmeg into the cat's bell and I don't know where I've put the grater. Oh, yes. Oh, now I remember I broke it last Thursday. Oh, goodness me. Whatever shall I do? I simply must have a nutmeg grater. Shall I go and borrow my mother's grater? asked John. She's got a lovely big one, all new and shiny. Oh, well, that would be very, very kind of you, said Mrs. Fee-Fi-Fo. Now, mind you, don't take very long fetching it, or Fee-Fi-Fo won't find you when he's back again. She unlocked the door, and the two children tore out of the cottage. They raced down the path, panting, and did not stop for breath until they stood safely on the path outside Fee-Fi-Fo Wood. My goodness, what a narrow escape, panted John. We'll never go into that wood again, Peggy. Thank goodness that old woman was so foolish. You can guess that neither of them jumped over the ditch for a long time. But, would you believe it, there came a day when the children saw a beautiful, brilliant yellow butterfly. And without thinking what they were doing, they jumped over the ditch into Fee-Fi-Fo Wood and chased that butterfly. Oh, and of course, up came Mr. Fee-Fi-Fo and caught them as easy as you please. Ho, he said, smiling all over his bearded face. Ho, so I've got you again. Well, you won't escape this time. I want you for a frog spell today. Oh, please don't turn us into frogs, begged Peggy. But Mr. Fee-Fi-Fo only laughed. He took them home to his cottage and gave them to Mrs. Fee-Fi-Fo. I mean, they really don't deserve to have another chance, do they? <laughs> Tie them up to the leg of the table, the kitchen table, he said. Then they can't escape. She went out of the cottage. He went out of the cottage and left the children with his wife. She looked at them both. Dear, dear, if it isn't the naughty children who went off to fetch a nice shiny nutmeg grater for me and never came back, she said. Well, well, I must make sure you don't get away this time, mustn't I? I'll tie you up to the table leg, as Fee-Fi-Fo said. She took down a tin and pulled out some string. It was very thin. 
and John knew that he could easily break it. She tied them both up to the table leg and then went on with her cooking. Snap! John broke the string that tied him. Mrs Fee-Fi-Fo looked around. Oh my, you've broken the string, she said. Now that is a nuisance because you'll escape. I haven't any stronger string, so what shall I do? Oh, I think I'd better call Fee-Fi-Fo and tell him to get on with his frog spell at once. Oh no, don't do that, said John. He might be cross with you. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go and get six pennyworth of rope from the grocer's and you may be sure no child can break that. Does he sell very strong rope? asked Mrs Fee-Fi-Fo. Very, said Peggy and John together. Well, go and buy me some, but do be quick, said the old dame. Peggy broke the string that bound her and once again the two children raced out of the cottage and ran to the ditch that lay between the wood and the path. How glad they were to find themselves safely on the path once more. We'll never, never do that again, said John. And Peggy nodded her head, for she had no breath left to speak. But do you know what? They hadn't learnt their lesson yet. Silly children. For in two months' time, when the wild strawberries were ripening, those silly children spied some very big ones just beyond the ditch. Over they jumped into Fee-Fi-Fo wood, and they were soon eating them. Mr Fee-Fi-Fo was watching for them in a trice. He had bought, caught them and was once again taking them to his higgledy-piggledy cottage. Gave them to his wife and told her to get them ready for the black beetle spell. Well, Peggy was dreadfully frightened because she didn't like beetles and she thought it would be terrible to be one. She began to cry. And well, you may cry, said Mrs Fee-Fi-Fo crossly. Wasn't it you two who ran off to buy me six pennyworth of strong rope to tie you up with and never came back? Well, you shan't escape this time, I tell you that for certain. She took them to the magic room and locked them there. The cauldron was still steaming with green smoke and the chalk circles and squares were on the floor. The old dame emptied this and that into the iron pot on the fire and the green smoke changed first to red, then to yellow and then to purple. It was all very strange indeed. The children were told to sit still on two black stools and they didn't dare to move. Mrs Fee-Fi-Fo made everything ready and then she began to stir the cauldron with a red stick. While she stirred it, she began to sing magic words. She spelt each word before she said it and the children listened. S-H-O-O-N-A-R-O-O-N, she spelt, then said the enchanted word, Shunaroon. L-I-L-L-A-R-A-Y-Lillaray.
P-O-O-N-A. She suddenly stopped. Oh, bother. I've forgotten how to spell Poonaskiltery. Oh, it's the most important magic word in this spell. If I get it wrong, the spell won't work. Do you know how to spell Poonaskiltery, children? No, said John. I've never heard of it before. Oh, dear, 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 said Mrs. Fee-Fi-Fo in a flurry, stirring the cauldron so hard that the smoke changed to red again. I haven't a dictionary here to look it up either. Whatever shall I do? Oh, there's a dictionary at our school, said John. Shall we go and fetch it for you? Ho, ho, said Mrs. Fee-Fi-Fo, with quite a clever look on her face. I know what you'll do. You'll run off and never come back again. No, no. Well, let just one of us go and fetch it, said John. Peggy knows where it is. All right, Peggy shall get it, said the old dame. But if she forgets to come back, you'll certainly be turned into the blackest black beetle in the world, John. Peggy ran off at once, and John felt very glad to see her go. He didn't mind being made into a beetle if only Peggy escaped. Mrs. Fee-Fi-Fo waited and waited, but Peggy didn't come back. Now, whatever can she be doing, said the old woman crossly. It's a very big, heavy dictionary, said John. Perhaps she can't carry it. Shall I go and meet her and help her? Oh, yes, do, said Mrs. Fee-Fi-Fo. If she doesn't get here soon, old Fee-Fi-Fo will be back and we shan't be ready. Then goodness knows what will happen. Off ran John. How he raced through the wood, and when he jumped over the ditch, he found Peggy on the other side, waiting for him. She threw her arms round his neck and hugged him. Oh, John, I knew you'd escape somehow, she said. We mustn't ever go into that horrid wood again. We really must be good, obedient children and do what Mother says. I'm sure you will be glad to know that they never jumped over that ditch again, and I hope they never will. <sighs> As for Mr. Fee-Fi-Fo, people do say he's still there, on the lookout for disobedient children. But others say he and his wife had a quarrel and turned one another into frogs. <laughs> and I shouldn't be a bit surprised. <laughs> Would you? Oh, my goodness me. I don't know. Fancy going back three times. I don't think after the first time they deserved any more chances, honestly. Oh, right. Um, well, enjoy your chocolate eggs today. Um, and have a lovely, lovely Sunday. Have a lovely, lovely Easter. Um, and tomorrow I will, what will I do? I will ask you the first two questions in our next quiz. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, um, you, and I think, do you know what? I might do a Winnie the Pooh quiz. <sighs> do you think? So, 
possibly a Winnie the Pooh quiz for um, next week. If I can think of eight questions. <laughs> right. Anyway, um, you all have the best day and don't feel too sick after eating lots of chocolate. Um, and I will see you all again tomorrow. Make sure you take care and stay safe. OK. See you tomorrow. Bye for now.